I promise to love, honor, and respect you. I promise to love, cherish, and protect you. From this day forward. Till death do us part. I remember our wedding day. It was awesome. I mean, my dress was gorgeous, and all of the flowers were so beautiful. And everybody that I loved was there, you know, all of my family, and the day was just amazing. I mean, it was good. It was really, really good. And there was this moment right before I walked down the aisle, and I remembered looking up to God and just feeling so thankful for this man that he had given me. I was scared to death. Seriously, I thought I was going to pee my pants. I mean, I don't usually get in front of people like that, let alone wearing a tux. <laughs> Come on. I, I forgot to go to the bathroom before the ceremony started, and, and I kept thinking, don't pee yourself, and don't lock your knees, and keep breathing. And then all of a sudden, I looked up, and there she was. She took my breath away. I never wanted it back. Our honeymoon was Amazing. I mean, we went to a tropical island and it was just a whole week of relaxing and we got to walk on the beach a lot and just spend time together. We were just so in love. We went to the street vendors, you know, and, and we were looking around at stuff and we didn't have a lot of money, but I picked up this amber necklace and I put it up against her skin and I knew she had to have it because she was worth it. And, and then, then we, we went, went home. home. Once we got home, it was like something strange started to happen. I mean, it was like aliens came into our bedroom, scooped out his brain, and filled it with gummy bears. Oh, honey, are those your dirty dishes in the sink? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you know we have a dishwasher, right? What? Yeah, yeah, and you're really good at it too, sweetheart. Um, could you not interrupt me when I'm watching TV, or at least wait till commercial? You see what I mean? Gummy bears. After the honeymoon, I had a sneaking suspicion that she was sneaking out at night and taking night classes at some college on some foreign language because everything she said made zero sense. Do you like this shirt on me? Yeah, looks good. So you don't like the color? What? If you don't like the color, just say you don't like the color. I mean, I don't even know why I try to look nice for you. <laughs> Wait, what just happened here? Why don't you think I'm pretty? Why? Well, hold on, I do think you're pretty. Well, you never say it. I'm sorry, I think you're pretty. Well, you can't say it now. I just told you to say it. I mean, what? that totally doesn't even count. But wait, how am I supposed to know what I'm supposed to say unless you tell me what I'm supposed to say? I can't believe you don't love me anymore. I wonder some days what I ever saw in him. Did you know, in the mornings when she wakes up, her breath will melt your face off. He farts and then holds my head under the covers. That's not okay. Honestly, I'm a little scared because I think I might have married my mother. Well, they wouldn't have to act like his mother if he didn't act like a child. I mean, close the refrigerator door, pick up your shoes, take out the garbage. Seriously, how hard is it to obey? She can't cook. I think she's slowly trying to poison me with her food. Okay, two words. Road rage. Two words. Shopaholic. Have I mentioned he still has his comic book collection from junior high? Did I mention that she still makes fun of me for having a comic book collection from junior high? He's addicted to television. She's addicted to purses. And... I don't understand this, but for some reason, she manages to lose every purse she owns in the house. Seriously, how hard is it to lose something this big? I thought we were supposed to be on the same team. Uh, I'm still on the same team. Apparently, you defected, started playing for some other team that you made up in your mind. That doesn't even make any sense. Well, you don't make any sense. Well, your gummy bears don't make any sense. Oh, <laughs> you're stupid. Well, you're stupid. Well, you made me this way. <laughs>
I'm sorry. I'm sorry too. The purpose of marriage isn't to make us happy. It's to make us holy as we become more like him. I promise to love, honor, and respect you as you become more like him. And I promise to love, cherish, and protect you as you grow to become more like him. Like him. Just like him. It's not going to be easy. No, it's not going to be easy. But it is good. And anything that good is always worth fighting for. Amen. How many of you ever, ever thought of that way? Like, okay, Lord, I thought marriage was supposed to be about me and fulfilling all my desires, and the spouse is going to come into my life and fulfill all these desires, and, and we're going to complement each other, and it's just going to be this wedding bliss. And then it doesn't always kind of turn out that way. And what I want to do is I want to take a, a fresh look. We're looking at the commandments of God, and you're saying, okay, we're on the part of the commandments of God where it says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. What does that have to do with marriage? And I believe it has everything to do with marriage. And what I want to do this morning is I'm going to take a totally different look at marriage and really look at what the purpose of marriage is and whether or not you're getting married or thinking about getting married, you've been married forever or you've been married a short time or you're, you know, you're still on your honeymoon phase of your marriage, whatever it may be, I want to make sure that we have a correct biblical understanding of marriage. And I believe if we understand why God created marriage and the purpose of it, it will completely change your marriage. Now, now here's, here's, here's where I want to take this. Because I think for some of us here this morning, we just have a wrong foundation of marriage. And we have wrong expectations about marriage. Because we all go into marriage expecting something. And when our expectations aren't fulfilled, were disappointed. And it, it, the, the different times I've talked with couples and over the years and have done some um, just marriage counseling, um, what I've come to realize over 20 plus years of ministry is really what it boils down to is there's a lot of unmet expectations that many couples have. And when you boil all that, we all have our issues and every single one of us could sit down and say, well, pastor, my situation is really unique. You're, you don't understand my spot because my situation is really unique and you don't understand. And you know, and I, and I, I let them talk and, and I say, okay, your situation, if you boil it all down, is not any different from anybody else. Because I, I have a plethora of couples that I deal with, and what it normally boils down to is unmet expectations. We all have certain expectations. We all have examples of what we've seen in marriage, whether it's bad or good. And then all of us look, and we think, well, this is the way it has to be. Or we look over the fence at someone else's marriage and say, well, doesn't it look like they have a great marriage? Let me just tell you this. Behind every closed door at every house, every marriage has its difficulties. Can I get an Amen. Let's just be honest. We're all messed up in some ways, right? We all have dysfunctions. I don't care how holy or perfect you think you are, how great your relationship with Jesus is. I could talk to your spouse and I could find a lot of things about your life that probably aren't that great. Okay, so let's just be, right? Can we just be honest, including myself? Just talk to Kathleen for two minutes and she can tell you all my quirks and idiosyncrasies and things that I'm doing for her in her life to make her more holy, right? So that's what it's all about, right? So... So let's look at that. But, but before we jump in, let me just, I just want to share something with you. Um, Pastor Mike talked about it. This has nothing to do with the message. But I just want to share with you, 
Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you that helped out on Wednesday for this outreach. Um, let, me, let me just say this. Um, that was huge for our community. We, we, there was two, do you understand that there's 225 families that came through the door of our church that saw a church that says, we don't care what your background is. We don't care whether you're a single mom or whatever it may be. We just want to show you that we love you and we want to give you a gift to help you out with this year for the school supplies. I talked to families. They were so thankful. I was so proud of you as your pastor, the way you greeted people and you loved on people. I was talking to one person that I, I, I knew from the past, was a single mom, and I said, you know, there's something that always burns my heart, and I heard someone say this, that if your church stopped functioning and it, 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 it stopped existing tomorrow, would anybody in the community care? And she looked at me and she says, I would care. Because your church has done so much for me. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. To show the love of Christ in our community. And I was just, as I talked to families, and here, here was, not that was great, because I know I, this was a step of faith, and you gave to this outreach um, this was a step of faith. I was just sitting in my office during the day, and I'm like, Lord, I hope one person shows up. I go, what if nobody shows up? And the Lord just reassured me with this one passage. It's found in Proverbs. And, and I was sitting at my desk looking out the window, and 3 o'clock, and it's getting closer to 4 o'clock. I'm like, God, I hope people come. Because we prayed about this. This is something you laid on my heart. You know, so many people work so hard. Julie and Carrie worked so hard to organize it. And the Lord just laid this verse in my heart in Proverbs. It says, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. What God said to me is, Barton, you prepare. Always prepare and believe that I'm going to touch people's lives. But ultimately, I'm the one that will receive the glory. I'm the one that ultimately gets the victory. So about... Um, 20 to 4, I saw one mom come in. I'm like, good, one person came. <laughs> I was like, whoo, one person. And then I just saw a bunch of people just coming and coming in. And I guess the, the cherry on top of the Sunday was um, there was a, a teenage boy that came that Wednesday, um, th that day, and Pastor Jim and I had the, had the awesome honor of, of, of leading him to the Lord. And um, God is good. God is faithful. So listen, let's not give up on our community. Let's not give up on seeing God doing a great work in our community. There's a lot to do, um, but we need to keep thinking of different ways that we can continually reach out with the love of Christ and telling people that we love them, that Jesus loves them, that there's hope for their life. And uh, it's not about the pencils and the colored pencils and the erasers. It's about the love of Christ just saying, hey, we're here to serve you. We're here to serve you. We're here to love on you. Do you realize that Jesus came to serve and not be served? Do you realize that it's God's wondrous glory in his character to serve us? I don't even get that. I don't understand that. Do you realize that one day in heaven, Jesus is going to lay out a huge banquet for all of us to sit at the wedding feast of the Lamb, and he's going to serve us. So it's a privilege for me knowing how God serves us 
to reach out to others, no matter what their background is, no matter where they are in their life, just to tell them that we, we love them. So I just, I'm just proud of you as your pastor, and, and let's keep praying for our community in different ways that we can serve them and just love on them with the love of Christ. Amen? God is good? Amen. So keep praying. Thank you guys for, for all your help. So that's a sermon within itself. I'm sorry about that. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Amen. I just want to share that with you. So what I want to look at today is we're, we're going through the Ten Commandments. We're on commandment number seven where we're talking about God says to the children of Israel as he gives these commands to Moses on Mount Sinai, this is how you're to live with God in relationship to him. This is how you're to live within relationships with one another. We know the commandment, the Ten Commandments are basically a summary of all 613 commandments. Jesus broke them down even further into two, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then to, to love one another as yourself. And, and those two things boil down to our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. So this, this commandment on adultery is not, not just simply uh, don't break your marriage covenant or don't cheat on your spouse. There's, th- there's a lot more that goes into that. And what I want to do is I want to give us today just a, a fresh perspective of, of marriage and, and why God sees this marriage covenant is so vital and important. So listen, this, is a, this subject, I'm going to be honest with you, is, is, is a difficult one for some of you. Either some of you have either been affected personally because of adultery or someone close to you. So my purpose here today is not to condemn, but it's to bring out the light of the meaning behind this commandment, hopefully to strengthen marriages or, or keep some of you from going over the line and being tempted or even contemplating adultery. And let me say this, there's healing and God can restore brokenness that comes from wrong choices. Can I hear an amen? Because we've all made wrong choices and there's healing from that. Some of you are here today and you've been on either side of that fence. And I know this is a very delicate and and can be a very difficult topic for some of you, but I do believe there's healing and I do believe there's forgiveness through Christ. But what I want to look at is what's behind this commandment. And I believe really what's at the heart of this issue of adultery is really the heart. That's really what's at the heart of this issue because if we boil it all down, God wants your heart. There can be no other room in your heart for any other gods. And at the root of adultery, it's, it's really sharing your heart and your emotions with someone else that's not in covenantal relationship with you. And so when adultery occurs, it's ultimately a disconnect with God. Now, now let me say this. Some of you here maybe got married for all the wrong reasons, and you didn't even understand what the definition of marriage was and that it was a covenantal relationship. Maybe you got married because it was all the the, 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 the ooey gooey feelings of I'm in love and I have this feelings and I saw them from across a crowded room and then this song, you know, one enchanted evening, you know, when you find your, and you, you saw each other from across the field and like this is my soulmate, you complete me stuff, you know, that you just felt like all this stuff and, and just like the video we saw, all of a sudden the, the, the wheels came off the car, the, the train derailed because now the, the realness of this relationship came to fruition. It was not, uh, the, all the ooey gooey feelings and the infatuated feelings were all gone and now you have this relationship and you know how to deal with this relationship with one another, you don't know how to work through it, you don't know how to communicate because there was no foundation. Maybe you got married for all the wrong reasons and, and, and you didn't understand. Let, let me just, just encourage you today. That's okay because God can even take that and restore it. 
God, because sometimes we think, well, if I got married for then, then it's over and there's no hope for me. Yes, there is hope because our God is a God of redemption. Our God is a God that takes the brokenness of your past and restores it and then makes it a trophy for his grace that he says, I use messed up people. I heard a pastor say this about how glorious the church is. Some people have such a bad view of the church because they see the hypocrisy and some of you maybe got hurt in church or under different leadership or another church, but God still uses the brokenness and that's a witness to the world that we aren't perfect. That, that I think for Christians, we hide behind this idea, this cloud that I want to make sure the world thinks that I've got it all together, that my marriage is perfect and my life is perfect and my finances are perfect and I never struggle with things. That's wrong. Because how many know we struggle with everything else that anyone else struggles with? And God can use our struggles and our brokenness to show his grace that we need his help. And so instead of hiding behind a curtain and and faking it and saying that, oh, everything's fine because I don't want people to get a wrong image of who I am. Sometimes I think just the opposite is true that when we say, you know what, the church isn't the most perfect place in the world. That it is filled with people that make mistakes, that we are going to hurt one another, but we do have a Savior that's good and gracious and can even restore broken relationships for his honor and for his glory. And so God can take even your marriage and all the brokenness and all the past and all the sticky stuff that's happened in the past and he can take all that stuff and redeem it and then use it for his glory and to show that you are a product of of his grace and his mercy. Amen? So it's not easy. It's hard work. And if anyone tells you it's easy, just slap them in the face. Say, no, it's not. It's hard. It's hard work. So at the root of this, uh, the root of this commandment, it is, it's, 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 it's this disconnect. See, uh, uh, adultery occurs when there's ultimately a disconnect with God. And so what we're saying is, you're not all sufficient for me. I need to find it somewhere else. And, and where, where I want to get us to the root of this issue is, is the majority of the time God uses the word adultery, it's really not in reference to marriage, but in reference to his relationship with us. Really, pastor? Yes. See, God established a covenant relationship with Israel, and this was to be a binding only by a sacrifice. Something had in, to die in order for that, for that covenant to be binding. And so what happened with Israel and her relationship with God, God said through these commandments, I want to be the only God. I'm a jealous God. Your devotion should only be towards me. And he knew that when he was bringing the children into the promised land, that there would be other gods around them that would try to vie for their attention to break the covenant that God was establishing with them and wanted to have with them for the rest of their lives. And so what happened to Israel is they committed spiritual adultery by serving other gods, by breaking their covenant with God. Let me tell you what the prophet Hosea said, Hosea 14, uh, uh, Hosea 4, verse 13. Now, this is probably not a verse that you memorized in missionettes. It's probably not a verse that you memorized in Sunday school or, or at VBS, okay? So just the Bible is raw in the way it deals with sin and shows sin. And this is what Hosea says about the adultery, spiritual adultery of Israel. He says, they sacrifice on the top of mountains and, and burnt offerings on the hills under the oak poplar, terebinth, because their shade is good. Therefore, your daughters play the whore and your brides commit adultery. God's saying, you turned your heart away from me. You began to serve these other gods. 
and you committed adultery on me. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 5, verse 25, he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, what I want you to notice here is the covenantal language that God uses. This sacrificial love gave himself. Husbands do the same as Christ. This is so much more than a marriage license. It's sacrificial. Can you imagine getting married and saying your vows to one another? Because when you speak your vows to one another, to death do us part, for richer or poorer, you know, when you begin to hear all those things, you're thinking to yourself, oh, okay, well, you know, that's wonderful and great. But then what, what if it was something that was just like, okay, we're going to have prenuptial agreement. We're going to do all this. And you just suck the joy out of all of it. I'm going to talk about more of that at the end of my message. Because I think what happens is we can suck the joy out of covenantal language because we live by the law in our marriage. And so what begins to happen with adultery is adultery destroys that relationships and breaks that trust. And some of you may be here today and you say, Boy, Pastor, I really messed up and I've let a, a, a lot of people down because of my wandering heart. Let me say this for some of you here today, and, and maybe you had children that were involved in all that. Maybe your first step here today is apologizing to your children for the wrong choices you made. It's a humbling, but it's a step towards God. You see, there needs to be repentance and a turning towards God because you broke that covenantal relationship that God had established. Whether you understood it or not, if you understand it now, you realize, Lord, I, I, I broke this relationship that I ultimately had with you and humbling yourself before your spouse and before your children and recognizing your need for God is such a good step towards healing and a great step towards God that we need your help. So what I wanna do is I'm gonna look at the marriage and the vow of marriage and why marriage is seen as sacred to God. And I, listen, 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 listen. I can give you all the practical helps on how to communicate better and, and all these books on, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Jupiter, Venus, or Pluto, or whatever it is, and how different we are. We all know, right? We all know we're different. We all know we have our likes and dislikes, and it's all about communication. It's, uh, you know, all that different stuff, and we can do all these techniques. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong or they're bad to understand, you know, what our makeup is to better understand each other. All those things are fine and dandy, but listen to me. Listen, if God does not have your heart, if you don't understand the reason for marriage and why God created marriage, you're going to still have a wrong foundation that you've built your marriage on. And so if you can understand the purpose of marriage and why God created marriage, then I believe it's going to solve a lot of your other issues, a lot of your other problems. I was talking with, um, we had a family reunion yesterday. We had a great time uh, on the uh, family retreat in northern PA. That was great. We're coming back. We had to go right to a family reunion. And I was talking to my um, cousin, who's a golfer, so we got talking about golf. And he goes, oh, Bart, and I, um, I actually took a golf lesson. I'm like, oh, man, I want to take a golf lesson, too. That would be great. And he goes, you know what's interesting about the golf lesson? He goes, the instructor just worked on, like, three basic things with me, like, really basic things. And he goes, because of those three basic things, it solved, like, 25 other things. I'm like, wow, that, that's great, Billy. That's great. I'm not going to go golfing with you now because you'll embarrass me if we go golfing together. And what's interesting about marriage is if we get this right, and we understand this, I guarantee it's going to solve all your other issues that you're dealing with. Because everyone's like, well, Pastor, you, you got to know my situation, but, 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 here's my particular idiosyncrasies, and how do we fix it, right? 
But I believe if we understand the basis of marriage, it's going to solve all your other issues that you're dealing with because it's a matter of the heart. So if you're not dealing with this, right? If you're not dealing with the heart, because this is the root cause, if we're not dealing with this, then dealing with all the symptomatic things aren't going to help. So let's, let's, let's change our thinking about marriage and let's see it from God's perspective so that we can affair-proof our marriage and make sure that we're honoring God ultimately. And I guarantee that you'll have a much more healthier marriage when you see it this way. So let me just give you, taking notes, write these things down, okay? A couple things here I want you to see. First of all, let's see marriage as a holy union. It's a holy union between a man and a woman. So, so what do I mean by this? Marriage is something that God brings together and then he sanctifies it. It's a union between a man and a woman where they become one both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So this is a holy union that, that, that God brings together. This isn't something that you thought of. This isn't something that man created or man thought of. This is something that God created. He saw that it was good that, that man, it saw it as, as, as wrong that man should be alone, but he brought a helpmate to him that the two shall become one. And that comes from the beginning of Genesis. Let me, let me just tell you, this, tell you this. Genesis 1, 2, and 3 gives you all the answers to life and why we're in the mess and, and how we fix the mess that we're in today in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. I love the book of Genesis. It shows the creation of the world, the creation of man. God created marriage. It shows how man rebelled against God and brought sin in the world. And then in Genesis 3, it shows us how God brought them a sacrifice to cover their sins. So it shows us how we were created, the mess we're in, and how we fix the mess that we're in, all in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. But let, let's look at Genesis 2, because God establishes this covenant between a man and a woman. Uh, Genesis 2, you can write this verse down, Genesis 2, verse 20 and 25 uh, Listen to what it says here. It says, The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of heaven and every beast in the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man, and the man said, this at last is bone of my bone. This isn't something that's separate. This is actually bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and, and they shall become one flesh." And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Now, what is so sacred about this union of man and woman? Let me give you a couple things here of why this union is so sacred. First of all, God brought the woman to Adam. It, it, it was God who established this married, marriage relationship. God knew what would be best and healthiest he was the creator and the designer of marriage between a man and a woman. And the man would leave the covering of his parents and then become the covering for his wife. So what you see here is you see this leaving the father and mother and then clinging or holding fast to the wife. 
That's what God's design was. One man, one woman coming together, leaving the covering of their parents and literally clinging together. There's nothing to separate that. The welfare of the wife is now under the covering of her husband. This is a divine pattern which God established. Now, the word hold fast there, or in some versions, cling, the ESV says hold fast. The word there literally means covenant faithfulness. That it wasn't just a contract. It was, it was a covenant that God established between a man and woman to come together to hold fast. That, 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 that word there means that nothing was going to separate those two things. Nothing was going to come between that. Malachi said, the prophet, he says, you ask why? It's because the Lord is a witness between you and your wife and your youth. Listen to the covenant language here. You've been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. God understands that in the marriage relationship, there would be no shame in that covenant relationship. Verse 26 says, they were both naked and they were not ashamed. See, this is a picture of innocence. There's no guilt. Some of you here, when you're uh, talking to your, your, your spouse, you have this little language that you speak to each other that only you two know about. I love that because we do that with our kids. They have no idea what we're talking about. It's innocent. It's playful. Sometimes Kathleen are hugging each other in the kitchen, and either the boys be like, oh, gross. Yeah, mommy, they're still hugging each other. You know, and then Lily will come up and she'll get in the hug, you know. There's that innocence, right? There's no guilt there. See, that's what God is wanting to do. He's saying, listen, this is what I want you to see ultimately. This is a union that I've brought together to make it holy. And so God says, not only do I bring that union together, but he says, also, I want you to see that it's ultimately, it's a reflection of your relationship to Christ. Christ binds himself to us through his sacrifice. Not through some law that says, I'm going to do this for you because you're all a bunch of screw-ups and I'm going to bind myself to you. And if you mess up one time, you're done, you're going to hell. He binds himself together because he says, listen, through all your mistakes and all your idiosyncrasies, I'm going to still love you. And I'm going to still die for you. That's the reflection. So I want you to see the reflection of this marriage. Secondly, is this reflection of Christ in the church. Listen to what Paul says here. He says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and he's made himself its savior. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ. Listen to the covenantal language. Listen, listen. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy without blemish. In the same way, husbands, you should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a a, a mystery. It's a profound mystery, but I'm saying that, that it refers to Christ and the church. You see, ultimately, listen, people, ultimately, your marriage is not a reflection of you. Not a reflection of you. Your marriage 
is a reflection of Christ and his church. Jesus speaks this language to us. I will never leave you or forsake you. He's committed to us, as should a husband be to his wife. So this is how, let me tell you how you affair-proof your marriage. Jesus has eyes only for his bride. Jesus says, my thought, my attention, my ambition, my purpose is to please my Father, to do his will, and to reconcile his people back to him. He only has eyes for us. You see, this is how you affair-proof your marriage. You only have eyes for your spouse. Listen, if your spouse is four foot two, then that's, your, that's ideal for you. That's the best. Four foot two, perfect. If she's six foot two, more power to you. That's perfect. If she's got brown eyes, then brown eyes are ideal. If she's got blue eyes, then blue eyes are ideal. You only have eyes for your spouse. See, the bottom line is you may have never walked through the door of adultery, but you may keep your eye on it. God says to Israel, you took, my, you took your eyes off of me. You took your eyes off of me. That's why you wandered. That's why you strayed. You see, when you understand that marriage is more than a contract, but it's, it's a covenant, you begin to see the seriousness of how God looks at that relationship. And some of you, all of us here today, we can get so dissatisfied in our relationship because we're always looking for something else to fulfill something in our heart. And the reason why we go from relationship to relationship is because we're looking for that person to fulfill something in our heart that only Christ can fulfill. Great spot for an amen. Good, just checking with you. You see? See, when my heart is attuned to Jesus Christ... Then you know what, when I, look at, when I look at Kathleen, I'm able to be patient with her because Christ isn't done with her yet. How can Christ be patient with Barden with all my mess-ups? You know, one day I'll be on fire for God, the next thing you know, I'm just complaining like the children in the wilderness, right? And God's up there going, what? Barden, you were so happy and content on Tuesday, and now I... Wednesday, you're lacking faith, and then on Thursday, you got all this faith, and then on Friday, you're lacking faith again. What pardon? I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. My love for you is not going to change. Can you imagine, just track with me here for just a moment, can you imagine in a covenantal relationship with your spouse that you can look at each other Say, no matter what happens, we're going to walk through this stuff together. Because your heart is so in tune with the Lord. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, Pastor, that's not our, that's not our marriage relationship right now. That's, that's, I've got a spouse that's not even serving the Lord. Let me tell you, for those of you that are in that situation, you keep serving the Lord and you be that example.
stay faithful. Continue to serve your spouse as if you were serving Christ and be the example of what it's supposed to be. Amen. That's how you do it. That's what the scriptures say. I know it's hard. It's not easy. I wish it was better. But remember that maybe, just maybe, instead of God trying to make you happy all the time, he's trying to make you holy to be more like Jesus and giving you a different type of love that you could never get otherwise. That was a good place for another amen. It's okay. I'm, I'm coming up with some good ones this morning, people. You got to flow with me here. The Holy Spirit's working, okay? You got to flow with me here. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Guard your heart. Frank Pittman said this. He says, infidelity is not in the sex necessarily, but it's in the secrecy. It isn't whom you lie with, it's whom you lie to. You see, God says, I I want you to honor the vow. let's, Let's come back and honor the vow. Maybe some of you here today, you're like, man, pastor, boy, we really, you just knew. And I would say for a heart that comes back to the Lord, God honors and God will restore. There's got to be grace that's applied to that relationship in order for healing to occur. And many times we're going to the wrong source to try to fix something that only God can fix. See, with all of Israel's wanderings and their waywardness, only God could fix their heart. And when they were repentant and they turned their hearts back to the Lord, God restored that relationship. David heart and his heartbeat and the way he cries out in Psalm 51 after his adultery with Bathsheba he cries out to the Lord and he says against you and you alone have I sinned he said God restore the joy of my salvation and guess what Nathan looked at him and he says God has forgiven you God desires to restore you now, is there the brokenness and the hurt from those bad? Sure there is. I'm not going to say that, that there's not that hurt and that pain from those broken covenantal relationships. I'm not saying that David had to live it the rest of his life, but here's the thing. God covers it with his grace and forgiveness and then takes that brokenness and moves forward so that we can be reestablished with the right type of covenant that God desires for our lives. So here's, here's what I want to do as we, as we close today. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to read the marriage vows with you today again. So if you're here with your spouse, I want you to hold hands. We're going to get a little mushy. Do it even if you don't want to do it. So you're going to make you do it, okay? And um, if your spouse isn't here, your spouse doesn't attend church and you're praying for your spouse, I would tell you, just pray for your spouse. Say, God, you know where my spouse is at. And I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to love them more and more and more and more. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the vows today and um, I want you to listen to the vows because some of you, it was like you were a deer caught in headlights when you first heard these vows. You had, you don't even remember your wedding day. It's like the one guy, I just had to pee the whole time. I don't remember my wedding day, right? So you're like a deer caught in the head. You don't remember a single 
thing that happened that day. So I'm going to read the vows again to remind you of what you committed your life to, okay? And, uh, and, and I want you to hear the covenantal language that's found because here's what God says. It's more than a contract. Can you imagine if you were making vows to one another and it was a contract? Okay, I'm going to promise to love you if you do the dishes every night. Wouldn't that just be wonderful? On your right, I, I promise to love you if you make sure you take the garbage out every night and you make sure you bring a paycheck home and you make sure you do the. And it was more of a contract than covenantal language. You would have just sucked the joy right out of that, right? Wouldn't that be just a fun ceremony? I'm going to love you if you uh, do the dishes every night. Okay, did you write that passage? Did you see that? Because I want to make sure. Now, did you sign your initials next to that? And then can you imagine if you didn't follow through and someone pulls the contract out and says, wait a minute, hold on. The contract says that you are supposed to do the dishes. And I think, are these your initials right here? Are these yours, honey? Oh, yeah, they are. Then go do the dishes. Can you imagine? Now, think of covenantal language where Jesus says, I've come to serve you and to show you the way back to the Father. Covenantal language says, you know what? I'm going to love you even when the dishes weren't done on time. In fact, I'm going to love you so much that I'm going to do the dishes for you because I love to serve you. Can you, that's covenantal. Listen, listen. Jesus sets up a banquet table for us in heaven to serve us when we get to heaven. That's how much he loves us. He serves us. Jesus bent down, took on the apron of a servant, and began to wash the nasty feet of the disciples who were eventually going to walk all over him and turn their backs on him. But Jesus bows down as a servant and washes their feet. Covenantal love. Not waiting for them to get it right. Jesus took the step to love them regardless. I'm telling, I'm just saying. You start doing those things, it'll change your heart. It'll change the bitterness. It'll allow you to see your marriage as something that God has ordained and not yourself. And you're going to stop seeing it as how does this marriage benefit me instead of, Lord, how can I benefit this marriage? All right. So here are the vows. You guys ready? If your spouse is there, hold their hand. All right. And I just want you to listen to these words. This is what I do. This is, this is my vow. This is actually, this is right out of my sermon for for the wedding ceremony. So this is what I say. Um, believing that God in his wisdom and providence has established the marriage as a covenant relationship, a sacred and lifelong promise, reflecting your unconditional love for one another, and believing that God intends for the marriage covenant to reflect his promise to never leave you or forsake you. And I have the couples repeat this word. I joyfully receive you as God's perfect gift for me to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, for poorer and poorer. In sickness and in health, to love you, to honor you, 
to cherish you, to protect you. Listen to the language, covenantal. Forsaking all others as long as we both shall live. Forsaking all others as long as we both shall live. I'm going to love you through all your little inconsistencies that drive me crazy. I'm going to love you. Not only am I going to love you, but I'm going to serve you. That's exactly how Christ speaks to his church. I'm going to love you through all your inconsistencies, through all your shortcomings. My love's not going to change. My love's not going to change if you don't take out the garbage on time or there's dirty dishes in the sink. My love will never change for you. And in fact, I'm going to learn to love you even more by serving you the way Christ serves his church. I'm just saying, when you begin to grab a hold of that, it will make a good marriage great. It will make a great marriage greater. It will make a bad marriage much better because God begins to change your heart. See, the problem, couples, let's be honest with you, we're always, we, we nag at our spouse because we want them to change to better serve us. That was, I'm coming up with some good one, people. The 11 o'clock's not going to get this because I'm just thinking of these things, okay? But listen, when Christ grabs your heart, it's not how can this other person serve me more and how they need to change and we begin to nag and you don't do this. All of a sudden, God breaks your heart and says, serve regardless. Serve them regardless. And watch how the grace of God overflows your marriage. That's a covenantal marriage, not a contractual marriage. The same type of marriage God has with his church. Thank God. Because if it was contractual, I would have broken it the first day I got saved. Amen? Covenantal. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's why God is so venomously opposed to adultery because it breaks the covenantal trust that God desires to see between two people. And ultimately, it breaks the covenantal trust between us and Christ. So I'm going to pray for you today. Some of you may be here today and you say, Pastor, I've, you know, I'm divorced. I've made mistakes. I've been in bad marriages. Um, you know, I just, there's just a lot of, just a lot of baggage in my life, Pastor, and I just, I just need God's grace. Well, we're going to pray for God's grace in your life. Pastor, my marriage isn't the greatest. If you knew my marriage, it's, it's difficult and it's hard for me and my spouse isn't serving the Lord, whatever it may be. I want to pray for you that God would just completely grip your heart and give you a different perspective on how to serve in that, even in that difficult relationship, how God can change your heart to serve even greater, to love even deeper with the Jesus type of love that you never thought you could get on your own because only supernaturally can Jesus do that for you. And it's hard. It's hard. I saw my mother-in-law love her husband through a lot of difficult times. <laughs> and it wasn't easy, but she prayed and she prayed and she never gave up until a week before he passed away from cancer. 
We serve God the Lord. Now, do I wish that happened 20 years earlier? So she could have enjoyed that? Sure. But God had a plan. God knew. And God created a very godly woman because of that. Very godly. So don't give up. God hasn't given up, amen? He hasn't given up on me. He hasn't given up on you. Covenantal language. So Lord, we, um, we come before you today and as a congregation, we, we commit ourselves to you. We recommit that covenant that you've made with us. Even as Moses took the hyssop branch and took the blood and, and, and sprinkled it on the people, it was symbolic of God binding that blood covenant with them. That God was saying, I am not going to leave you. I have bound myself to you. No matter what your wanderings are, I will bind myself. I will be faithful to my covenant. And Lord, I pray that as we transpose it to our marriages, that we would say in our hearts, Lord, we're going to be faithful to that covenant. Not to a contract, not to a license, but ultimately to that covenant that we made before you that we would be faithful for those that are here that they have their eye on the door of adultery I pray that that would be broken God that you would convict their heart that they would turn their eyes back to that covenant and to their spouse and that you would begin to do the restoration that needs to occur as we repent and we and we, we turn our hearts back towards you. I pray for those that are praying for their spouse or one that is not serving the Lord, that you would just give them a new love, a deeper love that can only come from Christ and new ways to serve and to be that example of what it means to be a life that's filled with Christ and his love. So Lord, I pray for your healing and your restoration now. In Jesus' name, thank you for never giving up on us, Jesus. Thank you for that. Thank you for committing your life, giving your life so that we could be reconciled back to a holy God. May we only have eyes for you, Jesus. Keep our heart protected from waywardness, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's stand. Let's just, we're gonna sing this song in closing. And um, let's just worship Jesus. Just thank him. And um, let's, just, let's just worship him and thank him for his goodness today. Amen. God bless you. I want to be close, close to your side. So heaven is real and death is a lie. I want to hear voices of angels above singing as one hallelujah holy holy god almighty the great i am who is worthy none beside me god Loving the world 
Lord, as we just go in your presence now, we commit ourselves to you, the great I am. And God, just with every single one of us here today, may we just reestablish that covenant relationship with you. Lord, we're sorry that many times we walk away from you or we lose heart or we lose faith, but we thank you that you always take us back. We thank you that we can confess our sins and you're faithful and just to forgive us. Thank you that, Lord, the love that you have for us is... is it's not bounded by what I do or don't do. It's, it's unconditional. Your love was established through your son Jesus and his death on the cross. And so, Lord, there's nothing I could do to have you love me more. And I thank you, Lord, that it's not based on me, but it's based on who you are. It's based on Christ and what he's already done for us. So, Lord, we thank you for the covenant that you have with us that's bound through the blood of Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that we remember that as we deal with our spouses and we deal with people in the world, God, that we love them with your love. So make that love deeper and stronger in each and every one of our hearts as we grow closer to Christ. May we go with your blessings upon us this week. Bring your healing to everyone here, God. And may we just sense and know that you are real each and every day in our lives. And we give you and you alone the glory, Jesus. And it's your name we ask all these things. And all God's children said... Amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Go in God's grace. Amen.